Hello and welcome to a brand new edition of Forever Leeds, the podcast for all Leeds alumni and maybe future alumni team from the University of Leeds Advancement Team. In every edition, we look at what's going on at Leeds right now and we meet some notable figures who you may well have bumped shoulders with on the Red Route or in the old bar when you were a student. I'm Rich Williams, a politics graduate from 2004. Uh, every time I say that, I can't believe quite how long ago it is. I'm sure a lot of people listening right now feel exactly the same. Uh, now a radio and sports broadcaster and my co-presenter Albert Goskova is here newly elected editor of the Griffin the award-winning paper formerly known as Leeds Student Albert hello you've you've just had a big end of last week right yeah actually it was probably the most important week of my life I just finished university which was crazy (laughs) how did that feel the moment where you're like oh that's that's it I'm done yeah, it was it was a bit weird because I was in my room just completing my essay and then with a click of a button, you're like, oh, well, it's over now. I'm done. Just the degree finished. <laughs> did you go straight out to celebrate or what did you what was the exact thing you did straight afterwards? Yeah, well, I was quite lucky because my course um, and my lectures organized like a drinks and like a meetup for everyone to come. But it was quite nice. Uh, of course, you've got a big year coming up next year as well as the new uh, elected editor. So what happens between now and you taking over the reins there? Well, I think summer is quite chill. So to be fair, it's um, I've been having loads of fun. I don't know if people listening to this know, but Leeds also has like a ball coming up, which we call the Leeds ball. I think I'm going to attend that with my friends just to have like a little cute catch up and one more time for all time's sake. I can't believe I'm saying that. <laughs> oh, I can't. Whenever you talk about everything you're doing at uni at the moment, you make everyone listening insanely jealous. And everyone's just <laughs> like, oh, that, that was the best moment ever. So this is it. You're, you're free for a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So as always, we have a packed edition of Forever Leads. Alba, what have we got coming up? You've seen him on the cinema screen as Captain Kirk in the rebooted Star Trek movies, as Steve Trevor in Wonder Woman, and playing heroes as diverse as Jack Ryan and Robert the Bruce. But can you picture Hollywood star Chris Pine enjoying a front yard barbecue in his student house in Brunel Road? Believe it or not, that's exactly what he did. We talked to Chris from Los Angeles to find out what he loved about Leeds, how he came to study here, and whether he still has a weakness for a warm pint of Tetley's. And by the way, if you're thinking Chris Pine on Broodnell Road, uh, he will let you know exactly the house number. So stick around. Maybe it was the same place that you spent a few years here in Leeds as well. Plus, Leeds is a byword for technological innovation. So how do you feel about meeting the magnetic tentacle robots? We'll be talking to the Leeds professor behind an incredible new medical device, which lets doctors work inside your lungs to locate and deal with disease. And we'll be meeting amazing Leeds alumni, from England Rugby League player and champion of the women's game, Jodie Cunningham, to Lloyds Bank's Fiona Cannon, who works to bring diversity to one of the world's biggest banking groups. Remember to follow Forever Leeds on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favourite podcast app. You'll get every episode automatically. And do tweet us at Leeds Alumni. We'd love to hear what you think of the podcast. If you were studying English at Leeds in the early 2000s and you remember a handsome American student from San Francisco, you may wish you had stayed in touch with him. Chris Pine came over from Berkeley on the University of California's exchange program with Leeds and fell in love with the city. Now he's one of Hollywood's most bankable actors, with roles in The Princess Diaries 2, A Wrinkle in Time 
and of course the new Star Trek movies. He talked to another Leeds alum, our producer and former Leeds student editor Andrew Harrison, about the journey from Brunel Road to the Hollywood Hills. Chris Pine, thanks for joining us. How are you and where are you? I'm doing really well, man. I'm in uh, Los Angeles, California, my hometown, uh, up in the hills, and it's a little overcast today, but a little early June gloom, but happy and excited to be alive. Good. So the question we have to ask, how on earth does a guy like yourself come to be studying in Leeds? Yeah, no, I was an exchange student in 99 to 2000. I wanted to study abroad and got into the the study abroad program at my at my home university in near San Francisco in Berkeley. I'm a born procrastinator, so I, I turned in all of my, you know, top choices for where I wanted to study quite late. And <laughs> Leeds, unfortunately, wasn't top of my list. I think, you know, I, I didn't know much about Europe at all, but I had I had Dublin in there and London and I think I had Madrid and a couple other places and they were all taken up. So my my sixth or so choice was Leeds, and that's the one I got, and ended up spending a year there. So, and I'm, I'm very thankful for that that turn of events. It's a bit of a change, isn't it, from Berkeley to rainy northern city? Was it a bit of a culture shock for you? Oh yeah, it was huge, man. You know, I, I'm uh, like I said, I'm I'm born and bred LA, so I'm a child of the sunshine, and uh, I'd never been to Europe before. I don't think I'd ever been out of the country, maybe except for Canada. So, you know, to be on that long plane flight, it's the first plane flight, long one that you do by yourself. And I fly from Los Angeles and I think I landed in Glasgow. My first mistake was telling the cab driver driving me from Glasgow to Edinburgh that I just landed and that I was really enjoying uh, England so far, (laughs) to which stop stopped the cab and and said, uh, you're in Scotland, son, remember that. I did read uh, that in the Yorkshire Post, of course, that you immersed yourself in British university culture. You went to the Union Bar for drinks after lectures. You got acquainted with smoking rollies and drinking Tedley's Bitter. <laughs> tell me about your life as a student, because this, this was mine as well. You know, Tell me yeah. about your life as a student. They put me up with a bunch of other study abroaders. So I ended up on uh, Brudenell Road, 49 Brudenell Road, at the bottom flat in terms of my my life up there, you know, I loved, I really loved school. I loved studying, and and uh, Leeds is a tremendous university and really quite well known, obviously, as you know, for uh, English literature in their humanities department. So I studied English there, and I remember, of course, I took on a seminar course on Graham Greene that I I loved and read all of his work. And then socially, there was a there was a ton going on. I remember. Uh, I was a kid of, you know, 90s hip hop and there was a, a, a hip hop bar club that had opened up called Norman's. I think it was called Norman's that me and my girlfriend at the time loved. There was a dub reggae spot just outside the city center that was tremendous. One of my favorite spots was the the Leeds movie house, which was all the way down Brudenell Road, right at the, the beginning of the park next to the university, which uh, I go to a bunch. Is that the Hyde Park Cinema? Yeah, yeah, the Hyde Park Cinema, exactly right. A yeah, legendary yeah. place. You couldn't production design a more perfect movie house than the Hyde Picture House. It was just like straight out of something from the 30s or, or something. As you said, you know, like the first time I'd ever encountered a bar in the middle of campus that you could go to <laughs> after a seminar. So I definitely partook in that. Did you find that uh, things that you enjoyed in Leeds have, have, have stuck with you? I mean, are you the only person in the United States who likes a room temperature pint of bitter? 
Yeah, that you know, look, that t- took uh, a minute getting used to. I happen to really like it because I don't. I, I was never a big beer drinker, but so to get like a, a nice meal and a glass was definitely special. After a long night of heavy northern drinking, getting a, a pasty at like three in the morning always felt good. <laughs> the rollies for sure. That was a that was a, definitely killed some lung cells uh, back then. What in hindsight, what I really appreciate about having been up north is the directness and bluntness that goes both ways. I felt with a northern character, a certain kind of carpe diem. You know, let's just have a party and enjoy ourselves. There's an intensity of of spirit. I really, really enjoyed. It's only two years later that you were appearing in AR and then appearing in The Princess Diaries too. It's kind of whirlwind stuff. You know, very fast from one minute you're smoking rollies in the Fenton, <laughs> the next minute you're in The Princess Diaries too. Yeah, man, I uh, no doubt about it. I've been very blessed in my life, very lucky. Um, I came back from Leeds. I finished my last year at Berkeley. I came back to Los Angeles and you know, within the matter of, I guess, a year and a half or so, started working pretty regularly and had a had a gig. It's astonishing to think that there have been people sitting in the Hyde Park cinema watching you in Star Trek and Wonder Woman. And it's like, <laughs> that guy lived down the road. Yeah, it's quite a trip, man. I mean, you have got so much going on. You've played Captain Kirk, you played Steve Trevor in Wonder Woman, you played Jack Ryan, and you've just signed your directorial debut for Pool Man, which you Ooh. also wrote. T- tell us a bit about that. Yeah, I, I co-wrote that with uh, one of my best friends of 20 years, who's now my producing partner uh, at the beginning of quarantine when we were both driving ourselves mad, trying to find something to do with our 24 hours in a day. So I had this idea of a movie called Pool Man about a character named Darren Barronman, and that just made me laugh, and I'd been thinking about it for a long time. And we wrote the script in about a month and a half, started the train moving, which is a slow train. I mean, I guess in movie terms, two years isn't all that slow, but um, developing it and rewriting it and trying to get people attached, searching for money, doing all of the independent maneuvers that you have to do to get a film off the ground. And I, you know, I think it's something really special and and unique. Hopefully it it certainly shows my love of my hometown, shows my love of old Hollywood cinema, of uh, the beautiful architecture that we have in the city that unfortunately so often gets torn down to make way for the new. It's about a pool man that lives in an apartment complex and his best friends are this older couple played by Annette Benning and Danny DeVito. And he's an out of work television uh, director. And she's a former actress, ingenue that's now a Jungian psychoanalyst. And he goes to city council. Darren does every day to protest city council. Lo and behold, after certain little happenings, he becomes embroiled in this scandal and becomes this detective trying to hunt out the bad guys. And it's totally kind of like if Fellini and Ashby met the Coen brothers in uh, a pinch of Wes Anderson and uh, David O. Russell (laughs) along the way. Sounds fantastic. UK premiere in the Hyde Park Cinema then? Sure thing. Why not? It's a deal. (laughs) Just in closing, when you think back about your time in Leeds, what's the one day that stands out, the one moment that you think that was what it was all about for me? That's a good question. The first thing that pops to mind is um, I remember it was at the end of my year and the sun had come out. All of us had a barbecue on the front little stoop steps of our 49 Brudenell. 
and our friends came by and we were drinking beer and uh, stayed out all day until the, you know, the, the, the wee hours of the morning. But at that point, sun was setting later and later. And it was just glorious. It was like a great cap to a great year. And it was joyful and the street looked different because it was sun now. And uh, that's the first thing that pops to mind. There's a movie in that, Yorkshire Graffiti. Nice. I like that. I like it a lot. Chris, thanks for joining us. My absolute pleasure. Take care. Leeds has always been at the forefront of medical technology. Lately, the university's departments have developed groundbreaking innovations, ranging from light-activated dressings that heal wounds to a self-adjusting smart prosthetic leg. Now... Get ready for the next breakthrough. The magnetic tentacle robot. It's it's not something out of Doctor Who. Uh, it's a tiny device about the size of the tip of a ballpoint pen, and it's designed to reach some of the smallest bronchial tubes in the lungs to take samples of tissue and even treat cancer. Professor Pietro Valdastri is director of the university's Storm Lab, which also sounds a little bit like it's out of Doctor Who, but it actually stands for Science and Technology of Robotics in Medicine. He supervised the magnetic tentacle robot research and is here to tell us more about it. Professor Valdastri, welcome to Forever Leads. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me here. It's a great uh, honor and pleasure. Good stuff. We we managed to work out the uh, audio settings at your end and my end, which is probably the only thing more technical than the work that you've been doing uh, down at Storm. But we got that up and running, which is good. So tell us a little bit about the magnetic tentacle robot and uh, and how it works. Yeah, so it's a new area of research for my lab. It's basically trying to get as deep as possible inside the lung to reach peripheral lung tumors, which otherwise would be extremely dangerous and extremely uh, also very difficult to operate and reach. Current techniques uh, um, basically use flexible endoscopes that are introduced to the throat and navigate to the trachea to the first part of the lungs. But those are quite large in diameter, so they are about uh, half centimeter and they cannot really reach very deep. In order to reach them, uh, uh, often is uh, required open surgery, but open surgery is also very risky, uh, and so it's not very often performed, especially not for diagnosis. And so what our tentacles are trying to do uh, is to reach those areas of of the lungs to get tissue biopsy to confirm what uh, may have been seen with an MRI imaging, an MRI scan or a CT scan, reach the tissue there and also deliver treatment and therapy uh, so that in, a, in a non-invasive way so that we can uh, uh, cure this terrible disease. So for anyone who's not seen a, a picture of this uh, and, and isn't familiar with it, just actually describe how it looks physically, and then therefore how how it's going to work. The uh, tentacle robot looks like a small tube, uh, a little tube, uh, like, I mean, you can figure it as a very small straw, the diameter of a nail. What is peculiar of what we are doing, what is unique, is that we use magnetic field to control not just the tip of this tube, but the entire, the entire shape. And so when we introduce this little tube inside the convoluted anatomy of, of the bronchial tree inside the lungs, 
we are able to control the shape so it doesn't interact with the surrounding anatomy, doesn't scratch it, and it's also extremely dexterous. So it, it can uh, bend, um, it, it can approach and navigate sharp bends. And this is actually impossible with current practice. We use magnetic fields, as, as I was mentioning, and those magnetic fields are generated by two very large permanent magnets that are manipulated by two robotic arms. And so the robotic arms are uh, very much like the robots that assemble cars, but in this case, they each of them handles and manipulates a big permanent magnet. And they work on the outside of the body of the patient to create the right magnetic field to control the shape of the small tube as, as model of the tentacle as it navigates in, inside the, the lungs. And this is a unique approach. We have been the first one to demonstrate the feasibility of that. And uh, yeah, we have generated a lot of interest in the community and hopefully uh, it, it will eventually get to uh, something that we demonstrate is doable also in, uh, in patients. Uh, let me just ask you, you very quickly, for, for anyone who's been inspired by hearing the work that you're doing, I'm sure there's many, many people being inspired. Where can I find out a little bit more about Storm and the work you are doing? Because it might be, uh, you know, this chat here might inspire the next generation of medical pioneers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Um, and some other works we are uh, um, we are doing, we also have a line of research uh, where we analyze the cost of producing uh, uh, smart medical devices. And so we try to develop medical devices that are extremely cheap, but never compromising the quality. So high tech for low cost, <laughs> just to, to, to mention it with with four words. Uh, and so we developed uh, the platform for ultra-low-cost gastric cancer screening uh, that is extremely portable and designed for performing the test in rural areas of low-income countries. And uh, we've developed this in collaboration with partners in China and India. Uh, but this, this platform also has potential in... Uh, in uh, Western uh, healthcare settings, for example, being extremely portable, extremely cheap, it can be a disposable device used in ambulance or for emergency, for example. Uh, and in all what we are doing, we see an increasing contribution uh, from AI. So AI is really booming uh, nowadays. And so we work a lot with cameras, so for endoscopy, so going inside the human body and looking at the tissue. And AI there can help a lot in uh, uh, diagnosing uh, diseases because uh, AI can be trained with a massive amount of uh, videos, uh, labeled with lesions or without lesions, and it can recognize potential, can spot potential tumors or, or suspicious lesion much better than a human operator and without getting tired. But just incredible chatting to you. Um, you've certainly got plenty to keep you busy. I mean, anyone, anyone listening to this thinking they had a busy day at work now having heard the stuff that Europe is probably thinking maybe my to-do list isn't that, uh, that long after all, uh, considering what you've got on your plate there. Uh, Professor Valdastri, the director of the university's Storm Lab, such a pleasure speaking to you. Thanks for giving us an insight into, uh, the medical future that you are pioneering there at the University of Leeds. And thank you for being a part of this uh, episode of Forever Leeds. Thank you. Thank you very much. It was really a pleasure. 
When you think of the city of Leeds, you think about imposing red brick architecture, dramatic hills, bracing weather, and you also think rugby league. England international Jodie Cunningham started playing at school in Warrington and she came to Leeds in part because of the university's strong reputation in the game. In 2013, she was called up to play for the England side in the Women's World Cup and now she's National Women's and Girls Development Manager for the Rugby Football League. Now she's getting ready for the 2021 Women's World Cup, which of course was postponed until this year because of the pandemic. She's an ambassador for the tournament too. We spoke to Jodie just before she lifted the Women's Challenge Cup for St. Helens after a thrilling 18-8 victory over, and I don't really want to say these words, but I'll have to, Leeds Rhinos at Ellen Road. My name's Jodie Cunningham. I'm a international rugby league player for England women for the last 12 years now uh, and St. Helens women's captain in the Betfred Women's Super League. I decided Leeds University for many different reasons, to be honest. One, Leeds is a big rugby league town, so I knew in regards to getting to and from rugby and, and being able to train, it was going to be much make my life much easier. The course, so they did medical sciences course and that's exactly what I wanted to do at university. So that was a bonus. And then distance wise from Warrington, not too close to home. I wanted to still have that sort of university experience. So there's loads of different reasons why I thought Leeds would be a brilliant choice. And it absolutely was. It, it made my life so much easier, especially with the fact that at the age of 17, I got selected in the England women's team. So that was uh, around 2009. So just as I was deciding my options and which unis I would apply for. And at that point, I was building and, and really hoping to get selected for the next World Cup, which was in England in 2013. So I knew that my university time would be really keen in regards to getting myself selected for rugby as well. Everything coincided that as I was doing my final exams and getting my dissertation in, it was just at the point, it was a couple of weeks before the World Cup started that year. So it was a really, really busy time, very stressful. I remember a couple of, of moments of being overwhelmed and feeling like I was probably not committing or doing as much as I needed for both, but managed in the end to get through it all and absolutely loved it and wouldn't change a thing. I originally was going to do medicine at university. That's what I wanted to apply for. And then with the fact that I just got selected in the England team and all the commitment that was required out of that, I decided that actually doing a course, which was a little less in terms of contact time and as well like a shorter degree, would be better for me and then I'd go on to do medicine afterwards. So looking at the options that were really similar to, to medicine, medical sciences was perfect and Leeds University offered that course and it just for me was perfect. I've always loved science, everything about the human body and how incredible it is just really interests me, particularly all the neuroscience elements to it. I didn't realise that that was going to be something that I would enjoy so much, but it was definitely one of the the highlights of the course that I found really interesting learning about the brain and, and how all of that worked. And it was quite a demanding course, but I miss it sometimes. Um, you know, I watch documentaries or I watch certain things, I listen to podcasts and I do miss not having that scientific element to my career now, but absolutely loved every minute of the course. After games, we always used to go to Headingley Taps. They did amazing food. So we always, I reckon, provided the best post-match meals as well for, for visiting teams. Walkabout was another one. Bed was one of the places we used to go to in town later on. We'd go different places quite regular, to be fair. Our social secretaries were always very busy in terms of planning what each of our social events would be like. And obviously the Otley Run as well was something that we'd do, at least on a yearly basis, which 
for me, brilliant. I actually went back and took a load of the England girls on a bit of a social to, to do some team bonding. It was one of the girls' hen parties uh, to really bond ourselves as a team, and it absolutely did that. We had an amazing time, and it, it brought back a lot of memories with all the pubs along there, you know, the library. Again, bringing back loads of memories. So 2013, that was the first Rugby League World Cup that I played in. Incredible experience, I think, the proudest moment of your life, but to do it in a World Cup and to do that in England was just the most magical thing. And I obviously got to actually represent England in Leeds as well. It was tough, that World Cup. It was my first experience of playing the best in the world. I'd never played against the Australians before that World Cup. And actually, we did so well. And we were so, so close to beating Australia in the first game of the World Cup. It was so tight. And that was a huge wake-up call to me in terms of what it's like. It really is like at international level. And we got some great results against France and I managed to get myself on the scoreboard. So we came so close and we knew that there was a lot of work to do in terms of domestic rugby league. So for me, that gave me the hunger to want to do more and want to represent my country and one day hopefully lift a World Cup trophy, which I'm hoping to get the opportunity to do at the end of this year when the World Cup has returned to England. I think going to Leeds 100% changed me as, as a person and player. I think going to university in general and moving away from home, I think it's a big step for most people. And particularly for me, I'm really close to my family. To take the opportunity to move away was, was a big deal for me. It was always something I wanted to do, but actually doing it is something quite different. And I think Leeds was the perfect choice for me. All the professors were brilliant with me in terms of getting me the information I needed and helping me to catch up. And then equally, when I was doing my dissertation and my finals, and there was so much pressure I felt at the time and just really wanted to succeed at university and in the World Cup. And again, just really support my um, professor who was helping me through my dissertation, Dr. Alistair Pickles. He was brilliant and he would be really supportive with you know my timescales in terms of getting first drafts in, final drafts in, and really supporting me through that process as well. So I think all of that contributed to shaping me as a player, as a person, as a professional in life. Obviously, you train as part of an England setup for a while, but they narrow that squad down to the actual squad that will compete in a World Cup. So I'd found out that I had been selected in that team. And basically, they all asked us to go to the pub to meet up and celebrate. They told me that everyone was dressing up as gangsters. So, of course, at university, everyone always in fancy dress all of the time. I absolutely love my fancy dress. It was one of the best things about university. I think my fancy dress box was one of the biggest out there. I dressed up as Ali G. So fully head to toe, Ali G costume, turned up at the pub and they all had t-shirts on with my face on, just saying keep calm and pass to Jodie, which I thought was really nice. As much as I look like an absolute idiot, <laughs> it was really nice that they made this big fuss out of me. And then following up off the back of that as well, it's sort of a, a double-edged one, but really close together, was that we had the Leeds Sports Awards. And again, I'd just been selected for that World Cup team, which was massive for me. And the university recognised that uh, by giving me the standout individual sports award. I think my name was next to Jonathan Brownlee, who's obviously a gold, silver, medal-winning triathlete. It's one my dad always tells to his friends as well. People come from all over the world to study at Leeds. It's one of the most diverse universities in the country. And there's no better place to meet students from different cultures and backgrounds than at the Global Cafe, the weekly social for UK and international students in common ground in the Union. Global Cafe has been running for over a decade, 
and there are free refreshments and games, as well as good conversation. Tom Davey went along to find out what's happening. So if you could just say your name and how long you've been coming to the Global Cafe. Oh, hi. My name is Sam. Um, I was a, well, I'm a politics graduate from University of Leeds, uh, postgrad. I've been coming to Global Cafe since 2003, I think. Uh, my name is Veronica. I'm a third year student here. And actually, one of my Polish friends dragged me here, I think it was last month or two months ago. Uh, my name is Sultan Zahrani. I'm doing linguistics and language teaching masters uh, I would say for a few months now starting from 2020 I started coming every every week uh, my name is Tia and I'm doing corporate communication marketing and PR I think it's my sixth time here, maybe my name is Thomas Davey and on Monday the 16th of May 2022 I attended the weekly global cafe event held by the university for UK and international students I was immediately taken back with how friendly, warm and kind the atmosphere was and enjoyed relaxing with my new friends whilst enjoying free tea, coffee and biscuits. I caught up with those attending and asked them about their experiences at the cafe, University of Leeds and the wider Leeds area. And how have you both found it, um, kind of uh, studying in Leeds? Well, I have to preface by... after. After I uh, got uh, postponed from 2020, I was offered to study masters back home, mm. and I de- respectively declined. Mm. And I would say this is the best decision I've ever made. So I love Leeds. I think I just love the kind of all like the historical building that you can see. Yeah. It's, it's, it made me feel like it, this this city is not that modern and not that busy. The kind of vibe I really enjoy. Leeds is perfect for students. I would say it's mm. a Actually, before I came, I researched the city even before the university. Yeah. So, yeah, the city is quite lovely. Nice. As well as yeah. the university, yeah. When you uh, first came to Leeds, did you have, like, a, a Leeds kind of bucket list things to, that, I, <laughs> that I really want to do in Leeds? And uh, have you managed to tick them off? I mean, the first place I went to immediately was the Royal Armouries. Mm. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. It's by far the best museum I've ever been into. Mm. It is Seriously. Free. Yeah. Yeah. Free. yeah. yeah. Your month of going to the Global Cafe, uh, how have you found it? Have you liked, uh, is it like a case of meeting new people? I will do anything for free coffee is basically what I'm, I will say to that. And free cookies help as well. It, it's always nice to talk to people from different countries. So just to sort of get to their get their perspective yeah and it's like we're not different we're all humans it's just that like okay we've been we come from different countries the way we've been taught we've been educated that we've been brought up with some are similar some are different but some maybe exactly the same but we gather here and it's an opportunity to make friends and talk to each other over a cup of coffee and some biscuits yeah which is nice During my time at the Global Cafe, I also spoke to Shui, a final year medical student who'd been working for the cafe for the past year. It must feel really good to to kind of work for something that kind of brings people together like that. Um, Definitely, yeah. Yeah. It's quite cool because I've seen like lots of my, I've made friends from here also myself. And I've seen my friends make friends with other people. That must be really nice. It's so wholesome, like (laughs) a good time. And it's not a judgmental space. Like everyone's here to just be open and mingle around and nice. it's, it's really cute like I think you have your regulars who come mm. quite often and 
like when there's the same similar people come and it's quite nice because like you see them like interacting and yeah i get to see from their faces it's just quite nice yeah and you have the art one who comes like oh i've always been wanting to come to this but nice. i never got yeah. the chance to yeah but i was like why not i saw it happen it's happening right now mm. just give it a go like nice you get yeah. a mix of people yeah. and it's quite nice Ultimately, attending the Global Cafe reminded me of how important it is to talk to people. By way of a conclusion, I asked those I spoke to to tell me what Global Cafe meant to them. Right, in summary, I think the Global Cafe is a great space for literally anyone, international, um, local, anyone who just want to make friends, have a free coffee, a drink, some nice biscuits, yeah. just to like chill, just mingle around and just have fun and yeah I think that's this is the, the space to be if you're in need just wanting to take a break or yeah. if you want to just make some friends the global cafe is a great space <laughs> we're just come out of uh, Covid lockdown but of course like there's a war raging in Ukraine yeah and of course you know the whole political atmosphere regarding like, you know, Brexit and right-wing nationalisms and somehow people are just sort of like not wanting to talk to each other but Global Cafe is still here so I'd like, I just hope that maybe just starting from here we're yeah. we able to sort of restart this kind of you know global friendship once again it starts with like people to people exactly exactly yeah, yeah. I mean yeah, we're not different no. it's just it's just that politics the borders just limited yeah. like all this so and it's a shame but hopefully this is a good start yeah again it's a restart <laughs> well great thank you so much no, pleasure pleasure Tom. perfect thank you And finally, sometimes university really can change the course of your life. Fiona Cannon, OBE, is now responsible for business sustainability and diversity at Lloyd's Banking Group, the finance giant which employs almost 70,000 people around the world. It's not bad for someone who was the first in her family to go to university. Here she is to tell us how Leeds awakened her passion for equality in the workplace and how living in the city made this Londoner feel like she was being hugged by the countryside. My name's Fiona Cannon and I'm the Group Director for Sustainable Business at Lloyd's Banking Group and I was at Leeds from 1982 to 1985 and I studied English literature. So I am from Tooting in South London. In terms of my journey to get to Leeds, I'm the first person in my family to go to university and so I ended up in Leeds not necessarily because I had really done a lot of thinking about it because I had nobody really to talk to about about university and you know where I should go and other people's experiences because no one else in my family had been. It was really based on those universities that came to visit my comprehensive school and Leeds was one of those. And then when I, I actually didn't even want to go to university, if I'm honest, to start with, and that was probably more through fear than anything else because of fear of the unknown. But when I visited Leeds, and Leeds was actually the only university that I, I visited, it was such a welcoming place. And also, once I decided I was going, it was also quite far away from London. And so, so I thought, if I'm going to go, I'm going to go further away as possible. And actually, it worked out incredibly well because Leeds was just the most amazing place. I 
always found Leeds to be incredibly welcoming. And the thing that I loved about Leeds, particularly coming from London, London's so big and sprawling, and you know, it takes you ages to get around from one place to another. What I loved about Leeds then was that it was small enough that you could feel um, that you could get everywhere really easily. And of course, as a student, you could walk around everywhere, but you could walk into into the city centre really easily as well. But it was surrounded by the most amazing countryside. So it felt like it was being hugged by the countryside and that you could always see the countryside around you. And so that real mix of what felt for me like quite small townish because it, it was kind of coming from London, that's what it felt like. But being surrounded by the most amazing countryside, I, I just, I, I really, really loved it. It feels a bit odd to say, but when I got to Leeds, I kind of felt free, which sounds a bit weird, but free to meet new people, free to to really study the thing that I loved. I mean, I loved reading books. And so to spend all your time reading books was just like, this is just amazing. But also, I think it also gave me the opportunity to try loads of new things that I'd never thought about doing before. So be that from a group of friends of mine used to, with me used to work on kind of annual pantomimes as part of the theatre club. And we did stage management at the theatre club and, and, and you know, lots of different things that I tried out, which which the university gave me the opportunity to do so. And, and then, of course, it, at Leeds also, I started to become a bit more political. I had some friends who were political running campaigns. And so, again, just that opening my mind to a whole range of different experiences and opportunities was was really what stands out most for me. In the 80s, yes, Leeds was very politically strong, I think, on a whole range of issues. And, and that's where my, my interest in, in campaigning, because my role now, I've always considered myself a campaigner. And it, it started really through all the events that were going on in the 80s, the miners' strike, various other things. We had Red Wedge was, was a big kind of movement in the 80s. And we often had bands who were part of Red Wedge and campaigns part of Red Wedge coming to Leeds as well. And so again, there was a real strong sense of being active in the world and really having that ability to make your voice heard politically was very powerful at Leeds. My single favourite moment at Leeds, gosh, it's so hard to think of one single moment because there were so many moments. But the thing that's popping into my head as, I, as I'm talking is probably the day at Round Hay Park when I saw Bruce Springsteen. And, and that stays in my head just because it was such a moment. There were so many of us there from Leeds. So many of my friends were there. It was a really fabulous, beautiful day. And we were just having the best time. And that moment, I think, just sums up my whole time at Leeds. It was just a really joyous, full of laughter, just sun. It feels like sunny days. But that is a kind of a crystallization, I guess, of, of my experience. But but it is really hard to pick one moment because there were so many, for me particularly, moments of awakening. So when I first left Leeds, I actually went and lived in Germany for a year because 
German had been my subsidiary degree at Leeds, although I only did it obviously for the first first year. And I really loved German as a language, and I wanted to live somewhere else um, as well. Having left, finally been pushed out of Tuzing in South London, got to Leeds. I wanted to go somewhere else, and so I really wanted to live in Germany for a year. So I went to Germany for a year first of all, but. During the course of my time at at Leeds, I had become a bit more political. I knew I wanted to do something that was going to make a change in the world. And the issue at that point for me that I was most interested in was gender equality. Did a bit of studying in Germany for a year and then came back and started to look at what I could do around gender equality. And actually, I was really lucky I applied to an organization called the Industrial Society then and they had a women's development unit and I applied for an admin role actually because I was just so desperate to start doing something on gender equality that I would have taken done any job to to kind of get involved and so I started there at this unit called the Pepperell unit and it was the first women's only training program, actually, um, a training unit in the in the UK. And that was my first job. And then from there, I got seconded in to work with the woman who was running what was called Equal Opportunities at the time for TSB Bank as part of my own development, really. And I loved it so much that actually became a, a permanent role. And it was a real conscious decision on one level because because I felt like I wanted to change the world, it was a choice between maybe going into doing something a bit more political or maybe going into a charity. And actually what I decided was that at that time that actually I felt that you could have massive impact if you could change things at the heart of business. And so that's where my career started. One of the things that Lloyds Banking Group um, has done around the, the, particularly around diversity, around gender, is we, we were the first FTSE 100 company to set a public goal on gender back in 2014. So that was actually a really bold move for, for a FTSE 100 because, you know, typically companies are very risk averse, don't do too many big, bold things, particularly back then. And this was a, a bold move to publicly put out a target that meant that others had to judge us by. So my role as Group Sustainable Business Director covers a number of things. I look after environmental sustainability, social sustainability and inclusion and diversity for Lloyds Banking Group. So that basically looks at how do we make sure that we are making a contribution to broader society and also looks at from an inclusion diversity perspective looking at how we work with colleagues, what does that mean for how we recruit and train and promote, but also looking at the big kind of economic, social and environmental challenges that the UK is facing and how can Lloyd's best support that. And the role is really fascinating, actually. I I kind of feel like it's one of the best jobs to have because you get to be involved in all the things that are of real interest and importance to people, be it from, you know, how do we make sure that we provide green mortgages through to what are we doing around social housing through to how do we make sure that our organisation is as diverse and representative of the communities and the customers that we serve. And so it's got an internal and an external focus as well. And so it just, you know, in terms of my driver has always been around change 
So to be actually be involved in an organisation and have the platform to change is really significant and very rewarding. Leeds, I think, changed me almost completely. <laughs> and, I, and I think that happens for many people. When I look at my children, in fact, my son's at Leeds at the moment. And when I look at him and his friends, I don't know that university will have changed them as much as it changed me because of where I came from and what my background had been. But I think Leeds changed me, A, because I could see that there was a life outside of London. (laughs) But I think it changed me because it just allowed me to experience so many different things and to gave me the space to open my mind to different experiences, different people, different thoughts. And yeah, created in me, allowed that space to to start to build that kind of part of me, which was what has gone on to be my my job, which is really around campaigning and changing the world. And that's the thing that I think started in Leeds and I've carried on throughout my career. And that's the end of another edition of Forever Leads. We do hope you've enjoyed it. Did you know that every year, thousands of alumni donate to support Leeds students? It's support that changes lives, allowing those from less advantaged backgrounds to come to Leeds and make the most of their time here. Students who may be the first in their family, area or school to go into higher education. Those who have caring responsibilities, been in care or are estranged from their families. Alumni generosity helps them to not only afford the everyday essentials of university life through scholarships, but provides them with a whole range of support through the PLUS programme at Leeds. Dedicated professionals help students settle in and find a new home at Leeds, succeed academically and go on to great things when they leave. Do you want to get behind the next generation of students and help them to access all Leeds has to offer? Make a donation today by visiting give.leeds.ac.uk. That's give.leads.ac.uk. And we'll see you next time for the last episode of this academic year. There will be a new one in the autumn. Right now, we're off to 49 Brudenell Road to get closer to where a Hollywood A-lister used to live. And until then, thanks for listening to Forever Leads from me, Rich Williams. And from me, Alba Goskova. We'll see you next time. Forever Leads was presented by Rich Williams and Alba Goskova. Produced by Andrew Harrison. Audio packages by Tom Davey. Audio production was by me, Alex Reese. With thanks to Becca at Leeds Student Radio. Forever Leeds is a Podmasters production for the University of Leeds Advancement Team.